Randy, could you come read Psalm 77 for us, please? Seven. Uh, I know. I hate this. <laughs> Asa, I have by the name of Asa, and his strategy for fighting discouragement and doubt. And see how Asa, uh, his faith, and even he he had faith even when God seemed silent. You ever feel that way? God seems silent. And this is what this is going to tell us a little about. So. In the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. And this is to the choir master, according to uh, Jeduthun. And it's a psalm uh, for Asaph, or of Asaph. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I um, mediate my or meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open, and so I speak. <clears throat> I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, "Let my, let me remember my song in the morning, and tonight. Let my, let me mediate." my heart, meditate my heart, and then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn me forever, and never again will I, he be favorable to me? Has his steadfast love forever ceased to be? And are the promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has, he, has his anger shut up his compassion for me? And I said, I will appeal to the years of his right hand, the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. And I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work. And I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. But God is great like other, no other God. You are the God who works Wonders, you have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O Lord, uh, they were trembling and afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, and arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was like the whirlwind, and the lightnings light, lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. And your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is 
an immense and unmerited favor that we experience, that we are able to call upon your name and not just call upon your name as the great and sovereign God, but as our Father. For you have redeemed us from every tribe and nation, every tongue, every people. You have granted to us salvation based upon your righteousness and your justice. It is you, Lord God, alone who has accomplished these things for us who were worthy of only your punishment and judgment. Yet through Christ you have mediated for us. You have provided the answer that we needed. You have provided the justice. We thank you, Lord God, that in spite of our great need, you have provided a great remedy. We thank you that Christ is in us and that your spirit dwells within us. Because your word has declared these truths, we trust in you, who have never once failed to fulfill a promise that you've made. Even these words that Randy read that we are reminded of this morning, that even in our darkest night, when everything seems as though you are not near, you have not changed. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We declare this as truth because your word has declared it as truth. And even when our hearts are weak and our minds are troubled and our emotions are tossed like the waves of the sea, yet you are the solid rock upon which we stand. You are the firm foundation. You are the one who provides the way that we need in order that we may walk securely. You are the great and awesome God who loves us with a love that is unsurpassed. And we, in turn, Lord God, implore you to teach us to love you as you have loved us. And that we might then also love one another, not as the world loves, based upon performance, but love our enemies as ourselves, to do good to those who despitefully use us, to bless and not curse. You and you alone can accomplish that in us, and through your Spirit you have promised it. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live in a way that honors you in word and in deed. Show us how to love one another in truth. And we entrust all of this to the name of Christ. Amen. So as we come pretty close to closing our season of going through catechism questions. We are now on catechism question number 51. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension? Let's say this answer together. Christ physically ascended on our behalf just as he came down to earth physically on our account and he is now advocating in the presence of his Father, preparing a place for us, and also sends us his Spirit. And our short answer, again together, Christ is now advocating for us in the presence of his Father, and also he sends us his Spirit.
our verses from Romans 8.34. And let's say this together. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Ah, Lord God, yet not us, but you here in us, Father, and with us. Through your Son and in your Spirit, Father, we come before you, Lord, and ask that we would be your people, that we would be the people who seek you in good times and in bad, that would confess our sins to you, Father, that we are not who we like to be or want to be, Father, but we want to be who you want us to be. Father, thank you for sending your Son to show us the way, to intercede for us, to conquer sin and death, to draw us close to you and prepare a way for us in your mansion. Father, through all the sorrow and through all the joy of resurrection, Lord, you have done and know all that we go through. There is nothing here, Father, that escapes you or that you do not know that we go through. And so, Father, when we come before you, we kneel. And we stand and we praise and we raise our hands. For you are a God who listens to our cries. You are a God who hears and loves. A God who forgives. Who reconciles. Lord, who is above and beyond all that we can understand of mercy and grace. And we are thankful for you. Father, and we pray that today we would become more your people. Thank you for your church, Father. Thank you for the blessing of being able to come here together and join all the saints around the world and all the angels who praise you every day. Bless this time, Lord. Draw us close to you. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. See if the microphone is on. Testing, is it on? Can you hear me? Testing, testing. Nope, not on. I did hit the switch already, so you can hear me? All right. I took out my hearing aid, so I can't hear myself. So, so anyway, uh, he is risen. Amen. So we've been, uh, last last week, uh, just one of the things, uh, uh, our elder, uh, Daryl Cummins uh, preached on what is the advantage of Christ's ascension. I just want to say his resurrection is included in that. And uh, we looked at the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that we have been buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his, of his resurrection to new life. Uh, we find that in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And, and one of the things that I just want you to really get a hold of, and I have, we have said this from the beginning, but I just want to remind you as we're going through these catechism questions, you know, because a lot of times we go, why are we doing this? Why are we going through all these questions and, and, uh, and all these answers? And I just want you to know that it should create more questions for you. It should really create questions. And the question that, that came up uh, is a huge question, at least for me it was, um, 
and uh, and and it's it's uh, that we know that we have been made new, that we've been given the ability to walk in the newness of life, and uh, and and I just want you to understand something that the reason that the catechism questions ask these questions and cause us to ask more questions is so that we can uh, see see what we say we believe and then that we can actually live it out, all right? And that's the importance of the questions. And uh, and so one of the things that I just want to say is, uh, uh, I tell you, that question, um, am I walking in newness of life, okay, was a question that just bombarded my heart and mind every single day this last week. Amen? And that's what they should do. That's what God's word should do for us. It should cause us to ask the question, am I walking in newness of life? Uh, in my marriage, in my relationships, in all these types of things, uh, am I walking in newness of life? Do I believe that Christ lives in me? Is yet not I, but through Christ in me. And and so we just, we understand that. And so one of the things that I just want to address about the whole idea of asking the questions is this, that um, uh, the catechism questions uh, really cause us to look at what we say we believe because I really, I, I appreciate Alyssa's testimony um, th- that she basically said that, well, I just wanted to know that it was my faith, that it was my faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that happens, young people, as we grow up is that ah, it's just it just leaves a big hole in our gospel and the gospel view um, and, and the practices that we hold on to. And so let me just say this, um, just give three clarifying points to last week. So God's grace or the gospel grace will expose the deepest issues of your heart and then point you to the cross, which covers everything that has been exposed. That's what God's grace does for us. The gospel grace will make you face how weak you are and uh, while blessing you with the power beyond your ability. And I just, I just want you to understand that. Uh, please understand that Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we would ask or think or even imagine, that God, to him, that the power who is at work in us, and he is at work in us. We just need to understand that. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. That is the question that is being asked by these questions. Do you believe this? Are you then practicing it? Because what we say believe must be practiced. I used to have a, a seminary professor that went that took us through systematic theology and says, if you do not believe this uh, or you should be practicing what you say you believe. All right? And so so the third thing that I just want you to understand is God's grace will take, take the control out of your hands while it blesses you with the one who uh, who places whose place is unshakable and perfect in every way. Jesus Christ is unshakable and perfect in every way in your life. And I just, just please understand that today. So, again, why do I tell you these things? Um, why are we going through these questions? It is, uh, they call us to accountability to truly believe what we say we believe and then walk in them. So we come to... Question 51, what is the advantage, what advantage to us is Christ's ascension, and I wanted to say resurrection, 
Um, Christ physically ascended on our behalf just as he came down to earth physically on our account. And he is now advocating for us in the presence of his father, preparing a place for us and also sent uh, sends us his spirit. So I want you to turn in Romans, Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read a bigger portion of, of, this, of this passage to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Because I think, to me, one of the things that this addresses is the security of the believer. It addresses, am I really God's? Do I belong to God? Um, and, and so here, here we go, and, and, and it starts out, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, uh, gave him up for all, uh, for us all. How will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, um, who was raised, um, who is at the right hand of God, who, is, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. And we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the powers, nor, uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here, I, I, just want, I just want you to know something. Here is the essential question. Can, you need to ask this yourself, can I rest in God, in God's care? Can I rest in God's care? Is he, uh, is he, uh, uh, if he freely offered us his son for you, will he forget you? Uh, will he forget you now? Will he forget you? Okay, that's the question. Can I rest in God's care? And if he freely offered his son for you, will he forget you now? And we, we want to just say emphatically no. I mean, okay, we, we want to say that. But I, I just want you to really question this. Do you believe that? Okay, that's the question that the catechism question brings up. Do you believe that? The Apostle Paul walks us through a series of rhetorical questions to lay out a series uh, of the security of the believer so that we, uh, should, uh, that we should have in the work of Christ. Paul is saying that, that the irrefutable and comforting logic of redemption is so powerful and so mind-boggling. Okay? So here's the question. What shall we say then? Uh, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is resounding, no one. Who, there's no one that can come against us. Um, though we have many enemies, uh, 
none of uh, none of them can stand against against us uh, with any genuine threat as long as God is on our side. Uh, and again, this leads us then to another question that Paul brings up. How can we know that God is on our side? How can you know for sure? How can you know for certain? The, the answer is found in verse 32. And, uh, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And again, the logic of questions and answers are coming through here. And then, and then it comes out, well, we may still doubt that God is for us. And look what he's done. He has given us his son, Jesus Christ. And if he would go to that extent, he will surely complete the easier task of giving us the entirety of the universe in, the, in, in that day of, of the new creation. It says in Romans chapter 8. So if God gave us his son, he will give us all things, including eternal life. But then there, here's another question or objection that is raised. So we are guilty as sinners. Um, and, and then we might ask, won't our sins disqualify us from, from this kind of favor of God? You know, I, I've had conversations with people in the past that just said, man, Dan, you just don't understand what I've done. You ever felt that way? You just don't understand what I've done. God, can God really forgive me? Can God really um, cleanse me of everything? And then, and then the question is, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Can I just tell you something? This passage is saying that if you are God's, you are his elect. You are his. You are his elect. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It goes on. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who, who was raised, who ascended at the right hand of God, and who is indeed interceding for us. So Jesus Christ died for us, was, was raised to life, and is sitting at the right hand of God, and uh, is now interceding on our behalf. And that is just an amazing, amazing thought for you and I. The answer to the problem of our guilt is twofold. It is God who has justified. And I just want you to understand, there is no court of appeals beyond his decision. There is no court of appeals beyond his decision. God is the supreme court of all courts. Okay, we just need to understand that. You were declared not guilty. And his declaration of our justification is predicated on the death, burial, and resurrection and the present intercession of Jesus Christ as our high priest on our behalf. He is our high priest in heaven who has answered the requirement of the law in our place, that is, being death, satisfying the last demand, and whose presentation of his complete sacrifice before the Father keeps us moment by moment in the status of being justified or being made in right standing with God because of his sacrifice. Folks, we need to understand that we have been made right with God. Amen? We have been made right with God. So as Paul moves through this passage, for those of us uh, who, who doubt, uh, we may ask, can we be sure that Christ will continue interceding 
uh, for us indefinitely? Can we be sure? Does God really, does God really care? As uh, Randy read in, in the in the psalm, and, and and the question is coming out that there that God, are you really there? Are you really answering our prayers? Um, maybe we even say, suppose that we are torn away from Him. What then? Paul answers this question: Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes on, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are required, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, again, I, I just I just want to challenge us today that the questions that we go through. Alyssa, I love your testimony. I love the fact that you doubted. I love the fact that you questioned, am I really God's? Am I really saved? Am I really his? You know, Byron had a different journey, and, 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 and really God brought you both to that point of saying, uh, of saying yes, I am yours. And, uh, and uh, he wants us to know that he wants to assure us that we are his in Christ Jesus. But nothing can separate us. So Paul is saying, uh, what Paul is saying simply uh, defies redemptive logic to allow yourself uh, any moment uh, to think that God would go to the extent that he has gone to to provide salvation and then lose you along the way. So God's not going to just save you and then lose you. Okay, I just want you to understand that he doesn't let you go. He doesn't let you go. Okay, And I, I want you to understand that. He doesn't provide salvation and, and then just say, hope you make it, okay? That's important for us to understand. I hope you make it. It's, no, God does not let you go. If he controlled nature and history so that at the right time Jesus came to live, to die, and to rise again on our behalf, if he worked by grace to expose you to the truth and gave you the heart to believe, and if he now works to bring the events of the universe to, uh, to a final glorious conclusion, does it make any sense to think that he would fail to provide, to provide uh, you with everything that you need between uh, your conversion and your final resurrection? The answer is no. God has provided it all. He has given you everything. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. That is so important for us to get and to, to, uh, to receive. So please understand. So God's gift and sacrifice of his son is your guarantee that he will grace you with every good thing that you need until you are finally free of this broken world and with him forever in eternity. Amen? You don't have to wonder about God's presence or his care. You don't have to fear that he will leave you on your own. You don't have to wonder if he will be there in uh, your moment of need. And you don't have to give way 
to these fears you commit as an act of gospel. This, this would be an act of gospel irrationality. And I just want you to understand that. Okay? The, the gospel is given, is clear and concise. To, to give way to fear is, is, to, is to commit gospel suicide. It really is. To not believe that Jesus has done these things on your behalf. If he gave you Jesus, he will give you, uh, along with himself, everything that you need. And we need to grasp that. We need to understand that. We need to believe that. We need to live that. You know, uh, uh, in the last, uh, since January, um, a lot has transpired in my life. And uh, uh, just want you to understand that, um, that, that as, as, uh, as we were moving through this whole process, that, that me having the stroke on January 9th, uh, and then uh, waiting for a while, and then in March preaching again, having another small TIA, and, and just looking at, at what God was doing in and through my life. It's just like, Lord, what, what is wrong? What is happening? And, uh, and, and God just wants me to know, Dan, nothing's wrong. Nothing is, nothing, everything is happening, yes, but, but I just want you to know I have you. And, and, and so, you know, one of the things that I just want you to know that this this uh, particular catechism question is so amazing for me. It's, it's just the assurance of who God is and what God's work has done, that he is with me and he will never forsake me. He will not leave me. He will not forsake you nor leave you. He has you. Folks, he has you. And I want you to understand that he has you and he has you. He will have you at the end. He will hold you. He ha you have eternal life. It is assurance. Christ's ascension and resurrection are assurance of that. They're your hope. You need to know that. Nothing can separate you from that. You need to understand and, and grasp that and, and just embrace it for yourself. And just When you're afraid, you need to just reach out and say, God, I am afraid. And you just reach out to his truth and his word and his word testifies to his promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I just want you to understand that. And uh, I want to encourage you with that as you move forward. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I have to be really honest with you, I have wondered whether or not I would ever be able to, be able to preach. Um, I have wondered whether I would ever be able to stand in front of people again. And, uh, you know, one of my big triggers in life was, will I measure up and can I do it? I'm, I'm not good enough. And, and so, you know, uh, it, it just the trigger of, well, can, I, can I say the right words? Can I communicate my heart to people? And the answer is a resounding yes. In Christ Jesus, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I want you to know that, folks, that is you. That is you and I together, God loves you, gave his son for you. He died, was buried, and rose again. He ascended back into heaven, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes on your behalf. God sees you as right with himself because of Christ's work. You are in right standing with God. You will be in right standing with God the day that he calls you home. And that is just a blessing to hear and to see.
So I just want you to know to, to these questions, um, you know, that, that, that we ask, you know, uh, they're theological questions. And the, and the reason that we ask them is, here's what we say we believe. What is it that we practice? What is it that we practice? Do I practice what I say I believe? Okay? That is the purpose of these questions. And next week, we're uh, not next week, but uh, uh, coming up is the, the last question, question 52. And, and it, is, it is asking, uh, I, I can't even tell you what the question is, but uh, uh, actually I can tell you. It is, um, uh, let's see, let me, let me find it for you. Uh, I wrote it down. Says, what hope does everlasting life hold for us? All right. And again, I want you to think about that. But seriously, think about the fact that Christ's ascension, his resurrection, gives you hope and peace. It gives you the it gives you the understanding, it gives you the assurance that you are his child. And I want you to understand that. Please wrestle and grasp with that. I mean, you might be asking, am I really his child? Do I really belong to, to Jesus Christ? Do I belong to him? Yes, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've given your heart to him, if you have confessed your sin before him and said, Lord, I have lived my life to not know him, to not know you. I have lived my life to just say, I don't need you. And I confess that. And Lord, now I receive you as my Savior then he will be your Savior and your God. And that is what he wants from you. That is what he wants from us. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you with that. So, so let me just pray as we close. Lord God, we just come before you. We just want to say thank you, Lord, that there is truly an advantage of knowing that you, Father, uh, ascended on our behalf. Lord, just as you came down to earth on our behalf, and took on physical form, Lord, you became human, a human being, Lord, but now as you have died and were buried and were and have risen again, Lord, that you now sit at the right hand of God, the Father, Lord, advocating as our high priest before us, Lord, you are our go-between, Lord, you are the one who presents us before the Father as righteous, Lord, we want to say thank you for that, God, we, we thank you, Lord, not only that, but you have sent us your spirit that lives within us, that dwells within us, that guides us, that teaches us, that convicts us, that pricks our hearts, Lord, that, that leads us to, to all knowledge and understanding. God, we want to say thank you. God, we love you. Lord, it, is, it has been good to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship you, Lord, to lay our hearts before you. Father, I just want to just lay anyone before you right now that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, would you speak to their hearts? Would you show them the truth? Lord, you are the way, the, tr the truth, and the life. Lord, no man comes to you but through Jesus Christ. Lord, there is only one way to have eternal life, and that is to believe in you, God. And we just pray, Lord, for that person that is maybe sitting here that does not has not received you as Lord and Savior, God, that you would be with them, that you would open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts, God, call them to yourself, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for calling us to yourself. 
Lord, we humbly acknowledge that you have done that. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the assurance that you give us. And God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, will you come? We invite you to stand.